You've tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio, and you're listening to the LGN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment related. The Quad is brought to you today from three different cities. I'm Lynn Molitor in Washington, D.C., and joining me in the Quad today is Jacqueline Peterson in Chicago. Hello. With Tim Yuma. Hello, everybody. And Liz Dotson. Hello, hello. In Milwaukee. So technology brings us together, so let's get started. Interesting, I'm in D.C. today since my topic was inspired by something that occurred here. So a few weeks ago, I'm watching the State of the Union and noticed that the President of the United States greeted the female members of Congress with a kiss on the cheek. And that just always kind of, you know, looks odd to me. So I was raised, you could say, in a conservative insurance company during my formative years. And we never like touched for anything. I mean, when you (laughs) brushed against each other in an elevator, it was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Local Job Network is obviously a little more um, will occasionally hug when it's appropriate. So I've gotten over that. But I was wondering what your thoughts are about, you know touching in the workplace. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Lynn. It needs to be appropriate and relevant. Me, by nature, I know I'm a hugger, so I'm sure that for hugging, for me, it's I don't look at it as a negative thing, even in the workplace, but it has to be relevant and appropriate. Yeah. And there are definitely <laughs> contexts where that's not the case. And so I think for me, ultimately, it has to be that appropriateness and relevance. Otherwise, it should really not be needed in the workplace. So after a status meeting? <laughs> nope, not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I would agree with Liz. You know, if there was a major event or some congratulatory thing or something that was, again, relevant, but no, not, you know, nice job on that project, hug it out. <laughs> I, I pretty, would agree with, oh, yeah, sorry, Tim. No, I was just saying, I'm, pr- I'm pretty stingy, I think, with my hugs. Um, <laughs> just from my, yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, but when Lynn mentioned this as a possible topic, Last time we were chatting, it brought to mind my wife had a, had a I don't know, I guess a something come up that was similar because she just got hired at a new job and the person who was going to be one of her bosses gave her a hug and she found it very odd, a little off-putting. And especially, I mean, they literally met each other like two or three times. And she, of course, wanted to try to figure out amongst other people in the office, like, is this normal? Should I be kind of weirded out about that? And, um, you know, she hasn't really gotten to the bottom of it, so to speak. But her <laughs> question was like, would he have done that? Or has he done that with male employees? And not to create a sort of, you know, sexual component to it, but that's clearly something I think that you have to watch out for as well. If sort of this uh, consistency or to both what Liz and Lynn talked about having some relevance, that's the reason you're doing it. Maybe it's a special occasion. But I, I guess for myself, I, I'd have to be in a real comfortable spot or, or be like a celebratory mood for myself. I, I just think you're always skating on a little bit of thin ice when you do that. Um, you know, if you're the president, I guess you can do kind of what you want to a certain extent. But although he was not kissing the cheeks of the male members. The, and, and that's a good point. And that's a good point that, you know, uh, it's it's a little tricky. I, I personally kind of stay away from it. But that's just my thought. Yeah. You know what? When I first came to work at InfoSoft, I also wasn't too um, also known as local job network. <laughs> I um <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't, the whole hugging thing sort of caught me off guard myself. Now I am a hugger in my personal life. (laughs) Um, but, but definitely professionally, I, I, it sort of threw me off. Now it's not such a big 
you know, I don't, it doesn't throw me off as much. Um, but I would agree with Liz. It has to be appropriate. So no, I don't hug people after status meetings or anything (laughs) like that. But if, you know, it's someone's birthday or if it's a happy anniversary to one of my close dear friends in the office, I, you know, there's nothing that would stop me from, you know, giving them a gift and a hug afterwards. That's totally to me acceptable. But yeah, I, I think you really have to sort of judge it. But I'd be curious, Tim, to see if, you, if your wife ever gets to the bottom of that. So those hugs normal? Right. Or? And that's the thing. She doesn't want to just like bring it up because she doesn't want to get anybody in trouble or embarrass anybody necessarily. But she's curious. Like with, there's a couple of recently hired other females there. Like, did he do the same to you? Is he? Right. Again, we assume he didn't do it to the guys, kind of like oh, uh, President Obama didn't. So I don't know. Did he hug other girls? I'm just curious. Other females, excuse me? I, I don't know. Uh, and my oh. wife isn't sure yet. So. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have to update the listeners when, when we get find that <laughs> to be out. continued. Yes, please do. Because I think it is, it's an interesting dynamic. And especially if you're not used to it. Right. Um, you know, your body kind of reacts mm-hmm. a little, you know, sure. you kind of tense up and you get stoic. Yeah. I remember years ago, I, uh, we were having an end of project meeting and the department head actually came up to me. And he asked me, can I give you a hug? Which is kind of funny because it's like a hug kind of loses something when you got to ask. You know, and I said, oh, sure. Well, of course, all my friends are watching from the other side of the room. And again, our culture was you did not touch each other. So at the end, you know, my friends are like, we saw him hugging you. (laughs) You know, and I explained, well, he did ask first. (laughs) Well, that was very polite of him, knowing that the culture necessarily didn't ask for it. Right. Yeah. And actually, it meant a lot. It meant even more to me than that, you know, he actually asked because he could have just said, you know, good job. But right. Whatever. Lynn, have you noticed you're listening? (laughs) Lynn, have you noticed any other presidents do the same thing or is it did it just catch you off guard? Because I think I think um, a lot of presidents do do it. Ah. Yeah, I don't think it's just the current one. I think I've noticed this for a while because every time I see it, I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, people watch for it. Yeah, I I should do that as homework. Go back and watch some previous presidents in State of the Unions. But, yeah, they're always they're into that little peck on the cheek. (laughs) Okay, so we'll move on. Jacqueline and Tim's topics actually complement each other nicely, I thought. So, Jacqueline, why don't you start us off by talking about respect? Yes. And you know what? It, it could, it could kind of even piggyback off of uh, touching at work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those boundaries <laughs> of respect. Yeah. So I just wanted to pick your guys' brain a little bit and maybe share some tips with our listeners out there about respect in the workplace. You know, we're working feverishly getting projects done, um, working with different departments. And every little department tends to have um, their own sort of nuances of what's a standard, what's not a standard, and things like that. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the idea of respect in the workplace, what it means to you, and like, what's one of the things that you try to instill or that you try to do to respect your peers, your colleagues, um, just to kind of keep the environment open. I'll start with one. One of the things that I like to do is I, I like to be respectful of people's time.
time, especially at work, because I know that we're constantly working on different things and we're working with different departments. So if I need to get in contact with someone, rather than just popping over to them, I'll say, hey, do you have a minute? And regardless of their hierarchy, I always try to talk to them with respect. So they might be someone who is technically lower on me in regard to hierarchy or or above me, but I try to speak to them the way that I would want to be spoken to. And so those are the the two things that that I try to do on a regular basis. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. Jacqueline, I actually like that about basically treating others as you would want to be treated. And you had shared with us an article prior to our recording today, and I had taken that away as well. It's like, yeah, bottom line, just kind of treat others like I would want to be treated. And the whole thing about um, a person's level, I like to treat everyone the same. And like when I mess up, I'll admit it and I'll apologize regardless of, you know, who the person is. So, you know, if I did something and the person's an intern, well, it's like, you know, I'm sorry. So, right. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're my boss or an intern or my neighbor or a coworker, whatever. I think a lot of it does come down to little things. I mean, just the the pleases, the thank yous and, and having it be genuine. You know, I think a lot of times people just say it. Oh, just to true. say it. And, and I'm not saying you have to stare into their eyes and just like hold their hand and say, I really thank you <laughs> really, for taking thank care of it. Right, right. But but I, I mean, just have it be sincere. And because and, I think those little things matter. It's just like a quick recognition that they, you know, did something you asked or they did a nice job. I, I just the, those little basic every day, every minute things. Uh, I think it's just a good habit to to get into, you know, kind of Lynn, as you brought up, it could be a coworker, it could be a neighbor. I mean, just to treat people in that way. And the other thing I, I feel in terms of respect is just trusting that people are doing their jobs. And I know we've talked about this in different aspects of management and, uh, you know, management styles. But I, I think I think that does a lot to a person's confidence and their psyche to trust that they can do what you're asking them to do or trust that they can do a job and that they're able to handle it. I, I just feel that is a way to show mutual respect and saying, you know, I'm not your parent. I don't have to oversee every little thing you're doing. Um, of course, you know, you're checking in and you're following protocols, but um, giving them that respect to say, you're a professional, there's a reason we have you here. I think to me, that goes a long way as well as, as helping sort of breed that mutual respect. Yeah, I would agree with you, Tim, on the, the well, on both, but on the pleasantries <laughs> piece, the pleases and thank yous, even just when you run into somebody, instead of just walking by them, saying hello, mm-hmm. smiling when you're around them, just it, overall giving them that positive vibe and experience, you know, being around you. And I think that's really important from a respect level. And then also just little things that, you know, may not be listed here on the article itself, but because I think some of these are really obvious. I mean, you want to be courteous and polite and, you know, not to nitpick and things like that. But one of the things that is always good is just some of those things like with email, responding promptly or giving people um, the expectations and then, you know, adhering to them and just being able to be relied upon, uh, having an open door policy too, as far as being open. So people feel like they can come to you to communicate with you regardless of who it is. Um, you know, you want people to be open and, and forthcoming. Yeah. I like that one, Liz, about, um, you know, just greeting people as you're passing them in the hallway. Yeah. Sometimes I have to greet them and then I have to go find out who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the bigger the organization, the the bigger the challenge there. 
I always feel a little awkward in the elevator when I'm standing next to someone. I'm like, okay, clearly you're working with our organization because you're going to the same floor as me. <laughs> but I honestly never met you. So just kind of a quick hi and yeah. uh, introduction. Yeah. So I yep. know. I know I always try to use people's names and it's my way of trying to reinforce to myself that I have to learn everybody's name and put a face with the name. Right, right. Sometimes I get it wrong, but but (laughs) I try. And then you apologize to them and you hug them. Right, exactly. (laughs) Well done, Lynn. Well played, well played. Okay, so Tim, um, you're going to talk about diversity versus fit. Yeah, it's just something that I, I was going to be working on with a, a guest, and this was part of the conversation. And of course, leave it to the uh, middle-aged white male to talk about diversity, because that makes a whole lot of sense. But we talk about, of Do you course, consider yourself middle-aged? I, I think I'm in that <laughs> I thought this, I was shocked myself. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I well, I'm not. Reality checked me, Tim. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. I don't consider myself young. I don't consider myself old. I think middle age is a broad gap, personally. But regardless, uh, <laughs> you know, we talk a lot of, in, in different shows. And, of course, you talk with experts and even within our organization about having that cultural fit and that, you know, people are going to get along, they're going to like each other, can enjoy each other's experiences, but they also have sort of the same perspectives and mentality and motivation. And the question came up, well, is that too much of the same thing? And does that hurt in a way if you don't have enough diversity, people thinking outside the box or having those different experiences from their life? And that I just got to wondering how the rest of you might feel a, about Ensuring you have that fit, but also making sure you don't have an entire groupthink mentality or everyone's coming from the same perspective. This guest that I was going to talk to, she mentioned the sort of the, um, you know, the economic collapse of a number of years ago and that a lot of the problem was in this one organization, there were, I don't know, 150 people that worked there. And of those people, they went to the same four colleges and just the mentality that none of them saw it coming because they are all coming from the exact same perspective. So I just want to get your thought on on what is important when it comes to cultural fit, but where it's also vital to have that diversity. Well, you know, working, I work a lot for listeners out there with OFCCP. So the just on regulations that the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs uh, and the laws that they enforce. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is that diversity is actually a really good thing for an organization to be successful. And when I say successful, I mean profitable. And the reason they say this, and I actually kind of, you know, I, I, it never occurred to me before, but after having read the case studies um, that some of the universities had put out there, it made sense that when you have an organization that encompasses diversity, so people from different age groups, people of different genders, people of different backgrounds, educational-wise and, and things like that, that it tends to mirror the external, the general population. And when you can mirror that, when you can sort of tap into that general population outside of your walls, you'll tend to be more innovative and you'll tend to think of those different consumers that might potentially be working with you. And you tend to build products around that versus having, you know, everyone sort of from the same cookie cutter I don't know, approach or whatnot. And and then you sort of get that group thing. So I actually do think that having different perspectives and experiences and diversity is actually healthy for an organization. And again, I'm just going based off of the case studies that I've read um, in some journal articles that some of the universities have put on and just to kind of see like what organizations are profitable, because again, you're mirroring that general population. So I think it's a good thing. 
I would agree. I think diversity is a great thing in an organization. I think the one thing that you can't sacrifice, especially when you're hiring, is those core values. And I think that's kind of where that fit and mm-hmm. everybody coming together in the workplace, um, that's where that commonality would be. So, for example, by core values, I mean, you know, professionalism and work ethic and, you know, strive for excellence, you know, in our organization, urgency and wanting that fast paced environment. I think there's some of those things that you can't sacrifice, um, you know, for your organization. But diversity, hands down, is is a great thing overall. But I think the commonality there then would be the core values. And that's yeah. Really, yeah and that's what I was kind of asking about with uh, Liz is just. Where is that balance? And I think that's a, a good way to put it is core values is where the fit comes from. But yeah. diversity is everything else, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. What she said. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one thing, though, is that we have to like do a better job of um, letting everyone know it's okay if you want to voice your opinion that may be kind of different or kind of out there. Right. Because I know like for me myself, it's like, I don't want to say something that's wrong, you know? So sometimes you may not like agree with something, but you don't want to also come off like you're being, you're going to be perceived as being wrong. And so I think, um, you know, I don't know what the answer is because I don't even think I'm necessarily very good at it, but (laughs) it's like we have to encourage people to say what they feel, you know, just to get a different perspective on things. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, when it comes to diversity, what I I try and show an interest in other people uh, just to kind of, you know, bring to kind of bring you together with people. And so I try and show an interest in in them because then I start to learn things, too. And then obviously they'll learn about me as well. But, you know, you want um, people to feel comfortable with each other. And I think if you feel comfortable with each other, then maybe you're going to start um, feeling okay to share opinions that may be kind of counter to what you perceive as being the opinions of everybody else. Yeah, I like that, Lynn. I mean, um, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it may make sense, but it's not always that easy. So, no, I mean, it's, I it's do not. admit that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a realist as well, so. Okay, well, we agree diversity is good, and, you know, it's really everyone has a stake in it to make it work. So, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we are running out of time, but we have our final topic of the day, and I love it because I could use the help personally. Liz is going to talk about performing at our peak every day. Yes. So I found an article on tips for working smarter this year, and I thought it was appropriate. We're in the the start of the new year here. I certainly am looking for ways to work smarter outside of caffeine helping me throughout the day. So <laughs> I love caffeine. <laughs> so I thought there were some good pieces in here um, that are good takeaways that we could share with the listeners. I know uh, for myself specifically, one of the first things they list in this article is don't check your email first thing. And that is probably the First thing I do each day. I'm with you. (laughs) I couldn't imagine not starting it that way. (laughs) I can't. And I even tried today and it was so hard to not (laughs) go to email. So and, you know, part of that, too, that I had thought about is, um, you know, they reference in here. Think about your thinking and the way you're thinking and how much time you're spending on thinking. And I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about thinking and probably should. (laughs) So what, what else did everybody have on this one? 
I liked number four on the list, which was find and protect your quality thinking time because I think about doing this. I don't actually do it though. (laughs) 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 I'm like, oh, I really should do this, but then I never end up doing it. Um, I liked it because I think that it is important that you, you know, there, there are times when you're working on a project or a task or an assignment or something where you really need that time to really focus and hone in on it. And, um, with the constant interruptions or, you know, the instant messages or the emails popping up or people stopping by, whatever the situation is, if you're, if you're really working on a project and you're in that zone and then they, they come and they break that, you, you sort of like lose track of where you are and you have to start over. So, um, I actually need help with this. And you know, part of me is like, maybe I should put do not disturb up, but then I'm like, well, I don't want to put it, do not disturb up. If- because then your office door isn't open. <laughs> <laughs> You know, right. It, there's just so many different things. I'm like, well, so, but, uh, but I agree. I think there are certain points that you have to get your job done. I mean, you're there to hire. Yes. You've got different team members and you're there to help push them and coach them and move them forward. But you still have a fundamental job that you need to get done too. that, you, you know, that you're responsible for. So those particular projects, I feel like I need to be a little bit more protective of that time to make sure that I get that done. But it's something that I'm working on but I like it. I think it's good. (laughs) Though I, you know, yeah, it's like, I think about all these things and I need a lot of help. Um, (laughs) The one, one of them that I found interesting was reserve meetings for your low focus time. I know um, with the people that I sit by, we kind of always joke because we three o'clock in the afternoon seems to be like hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're, you know, you're so energetic in the morning, at least for everyone ha- is different, I know. But it's like when three o'clock hits, it just seems like everything takes longer because you're the day is winding down. And then when I read this article, I'm like, well, I wonder if three o'clock would be a better time to have meetings, you know, with people. And then the results of the meeting, you could actually start working on the next day first thing when you're nice and fresh. So I may give it a try, but again, it would be, it's kind of a mindset change because we tend to have a lot of meetings, you know, early in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the hardest one for me is same thing with email and and part of it is I, I just, I interact a lot with the guests that I try to have on the show via email and it's just such a quick check and go. And um, so that's, that's definitely one area I would have to try to clean up, but I think the prioritizing uh, your top goals, I think prioritizing is, of course, extremely important and just figuring out what needs to get done today versus what can be held off versus, you know, is it going to affect somebody else's work? Um, but really, it comes down to the thinking aspect, which a couple of you have already mentioned, taking that time to, to map it out and really understand the time it's going to take you, the resources you need. Because sometimes you get into a task and you're like, oh, I forgot I needed to do this or I needed this person's input. And now to Jacqueline, your point, now you're trying to switch a task or you're start stopping and starting over and that's not productive. So I think being able to really lay out what you need to do and what are the priorities, not only for the day, but for each individual task, I think that helps to make sure you're ready, you're prepared, you can hit it full on for that hour, two hours, however long you're working on it and just sort of block out the rest of the world. Yeah, people may come by and, and interrupt you for a minute, but if you have all that set up, then it's easy to find your place, get back to where you're going and, and finish those things that are important. So I, I think that would be a uh, something that anyone can work on and just take that time in the beginning of the day to, to really set up your priorities. All right. Well, I think we had a lot of good ideas here. We have sure a lot to think about. <laughs> 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 but um, I am getting the signal that we got to wrap it up. 
So any additional comments or suggestions that any of you guys have, we're going to just have to save it for the next time we meet in the quad. If you would like to suggest topics for discussion on the LGN Radio Quad, send a message to LGN Radio at localjobnetwork.com. Let us know your tips and tricks for achieving maximum peak performance every day. For Jacqueline Peterson, Tim Yuma, and Liz Dotson, I'm Lynn Molitor. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.